With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. HN Podcast. I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace. And Steve, what a what an amazing seven day, eight day period for Iowa basketball. Amazing in the dramatic fashion. Uh, we talked last week about Jordan Bohannon's buzzer beater uh, against Northwestern, and then this past week, uh, after Rutgers had hit a three pointer of their own to take the lead with 3.3 seconds left. Iowa pulls together an improbable play, a full-court length-of-the-court baseball pass from Connor McCaffrey, tips off Nicholas Bear's hands into the hands of Joe Wieskamp, who shoots a dead-on baseline shot that still somehow manages to bank in off the corner side. I don't know what part of the backboard. An improbable shot. And Iowa emerges victorious in dramatic fashion for the second consecutive game, and I'm thinking back to like the winter in 1994-95 when I watched Andre Woolridge in three consecutive Big Ten games have the ball in his hands with a chance to win the game on a last shot, and Iowa lost all three of those games by one point. Uh, Iowa doesn't normally come through in spots like this, but they've done it two times in a row. So let's start with the positives of those types of wins and the Rutgers game on a neutral court or on a, on a road in a road court. In a game I'd actually been kind of anxious about all week long, given Rutgers' physicality and just a team I think is getting better and better on the defensive end, especially when they're allowed to play a sport that doesn't really look like basketball. It looks more like rugby because they're able to clutch and grab on the perimeter, but it is what it is. Your thoughts on that game? Well, you know, my my assistant, Todd, the Wisconsin grad who hates Iowa, um, had a snotty take on this. You know about Iowa fans celebrating buzzer beaters against the uh, the two worst teams in the league, and while you've seen Northwestern kind of wilt um, as we've gotten further into Big Ten play, I think they're only one in six against quad one teams. I mean Rutgers, Rutgers, I believe is top twenty five nationally in defensive efficiency and in uh, in rebounding uh, percentage. So, you know there really aren't any nights off. I mean. Northwestern might be one in six against quad one teams. That's still a top 100 team. Um, you know, if you look at the depth of this conference, you know, I, I think I think a Rutgers and an Illinois are are as as if you think those are your 12th and 13th place teams. I, I think that those teams are, you know, a lot of years would be the sixth, seventh, or eighth best teams in this league. You know, so. The, the depth of this conference, this is the deepest I can ever remember. 
the, this is the best I can ever remember the bottom of the league being. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't, you know, minimize any of that whatsoever, particularly because they were different games. The Northwestern game is that looked like that game everybody in the Big Ten has had this year. Uh, we're all the, I mean, all the good teams have had where you just stunk the joint up. Uh, and, and then, you know, uh, you have Jordan Bohannon just kind of go off. This game looked like a lot of the games that Rutgers has pulled those upsets against Ohio State, for example, where they, 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 they were allowed to make the game uh, in a phone booth, uh, and the referees allowed them to play physically. You know, I know it's odd because we're talking about Rutgers, but along with Iowa, Rutgers is one of the few teams in this league that can put two skilled big men on the court at the same time and not lose anything right. by doing that, okay? So they're a tough matchup for a lot of teams, particularly when they get at home and the rest let them play. Uh, and so it's a total contrast in styles for Iowa. And, it, and you knew Iowa, you know, the way they came in, the turnovers, they, 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 they didn't shoot the ball well early on from three, um, and, and that was your classic letdown factor. And then it was a totally different hero, totally different circumstance. It wasn't a meltdown by Rutgers. They played the, the final play perfectly. I mean, you know, I don't know where Iowa is at. I love Ken Palm has this luck factor, where you rank in luck. I don't know where Iowa was because I've never really looked at it before. Um, I, I wonder where Iowa was prior to Saturday and where they might be right now because that was really just luck. And, and, and that's where, you know, you were thinking back to 20, almost 25 years ago now. Um, you know, and that's where over time, sooner or later, if you knock on the door enough, the breaks will eat those kinds of breaks even out it just takes a little bit longer than maybe most fans would appreciate yeah last year iowa was um 341 out of 351 in his luck component this year iowa is 25th in the country in luck and they have the highest luck rating of any of the uh you know major conferences um in the country and basically how he quantifies luck is essentially Iowa's one loss record when compared to its average offensive and defensive efficiency rating. Iowa probably has more wins than it should have if you just looked at the components and the makeup of its team. And I think that speaks to uh, Snotty Todd's point that, you know, (laughs) Iowa beat Northwestern and Rutgers on last second shots when the win probabilities didn't give them much of a shot to do it, yet they still did it. It doesn't mean Iowa's not a quality team. It just means they are certainly um, capitalizing on a high percentage of very low percentage opportunities. Yeah, that's a stat. There aren't too many stats. You know, like the old adage in, in pro sports is the award you never want to win is comeback player of the year, you know? Um, there aren't too many stats as a fan you want to be dead in the middle. But I would guess you want to be somewhere between like 160 and 180 in luck. And here's why. Because there's 353 teams. And because that, that reverb is a son of a gun one way or the other. All right? And so you'd kind of like to be right in the middle so you're not sitting around waiting for a progression of the mean or, or, or dreading the regression to the mean. Right? You know? So – the fact that Iowa's 25th in that, and I'd be fascinated to know what they were going into last week before these last two games. I bet they were, you know, 
maybe where a lot of the other Power Five teams are. And this past week just really, you know, launched them up in that uh, in that particular metric. There's no bigger fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes than Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the Hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. Yeah, I don't know if I can go back and reverse engineer that. But, you know, I, I think from a standpoint, of, you know, you sit back, okay, is, is Iowa just kind of lucking out? Are some of these results, they've, these results they've had the past week and a half, are, are these wins masking concerns? I go back to Iowa's win against Michigan that they won by 15, and they've dominated that game for much of the game. If they didn't have opportunities or, or rather results mixed in like that along the way, you could sit here and say, okay, well, yeah, they – they beat Nebraska and Northwestern twice, and they beat Ohio State at home and at Penn State and home against Illinois by a big number before Illinois kind of got things figured out. They did win on the road at Indiana. So you could look at a lot of these wins and say maybe this team isn't as good as maybe some of the fans think that it is. Uh, even though we've talked over and over how this Big Ten is the best we can recall in years. And I actually went back, Steve, and looked at Ken Pomeroy's numbers. Um, at, when you click on the conference of Ken Pomeroy, you can go down and see where the conferences are ranked in the adjusted overall strength rating metrics, whatever he uses. The Big Ten is number one this year with a 17.44 rating. Those ratings, you can look at those raw numbers and go back through previous years and those mm-hmm. numbers are applicable back through time because mm-hmm. they're measuring the same things. So you can see the strength of a league. And the Big Ten right now at 17.44 if the season ended today, this would be one of the seven toughest conferences since 2002 in all of college mm-hmm. basketball. Um, top, the top seven toughest leagues. There was a year where the ACC was in the 20s, just an insane year. And the Big Ten's been in the 17 a couple of times. But this is the second highest Big Ten rating in the last 17 years. So this is a really good league. So I'll ask you, do you think that these wins are masking things or maybe making Iowa fans feel better about a team than they should or is this team still about where we we kind of pegged it a few weeks back um i i think it's a little ahead of where i pegged it a a few weeks back i think i originally had them going 11 and 9 in the big 10 um coming into you know full bore big 10 play i think they're going to finish a game or two ahead of that um i i think that some of it is just raw luck that you can't quantify uh but I also think this, if, if, you, if, if, I, if I was looking for a positive Hawkeye fan spin and I wasn't going full bore jihadic wing, wait, I haven't used that phrase in a long time. If I wasn't going full bore, you know, uh, circular self-pleasuring grouping and wanted to look for something I could quantify to be optimistic, when you improve, what's Iowa defensively right now? 101, 103, something like that. What are they on Ken Palm? Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, they're 120. Okay, so they've actually gone down from the last time I looked. All right. But still, we were talking about the worst Power 5 defensive team in the sport last year. So when you improve roughly 50% defensively, you're going to improve your luck factor just by the fact you are able to get stops and, and, and prolong games, more possessions. When you, I mean, go back to our podcast last week. 
And we, we had just got we, we, we jumped on right after the Iowa Northwestern game and recorded. And, and you know, I, I'm, my simplistic analysis was the re- only reason Northwestern led that game, some of it was just Iowa having a bit of a, you know, a, a boneheaded game and all the best teams in the Big Ten have had them this year because of how deep the league is. It's unavoidable. But the real issue was, if you go back and look at that game and look at possessions where Northwestern had to face Iowa's half-court trap and when they didn't, and you charted when Northwestern scored from the field on those possessions, it would be overwhelming and fa- overwhelmingly in favor of possessions they didn't have to face the half-court trap. A lot of it just came down to Iowa didn't make enough buckets, so they didn't have enough opportunity to set up that defense. And, and, and when they started making buckets at the end of the game, suddenly now they're prolonging the outcome uh, because more possessions are going to be needed by Northwestern to close it out. And that's what they could not do last year. I mean, it's still the worst defensive team in the league, statistically, but it's 50% better than it was last year. So when you throw in one of the best offensive teams in the league and a 50% defensive improvement, you're going to get more luck now because the other team has to play harder for longer to close you out. These last two games are games Iowa loses last season. I don't even think there's any doubt about that whatsoever, okay? So I do. So some of it is luck, but some of it also is you make your own luck because you're playing defense good enough that the, these games against teams that don't have the elite-level scores. Now, if Iowa plays that way, um, you know, against, uh, you know, Michigan – well, I don't know where Michigan State's going to be now. We'll probably get into that in the Bigger Ten podcast. But if they play that way against the other top teams in this conference – especially on the road, they're probably not going to win those games. Because that's now where being 120th in defense, no matter how good you are offensively, won't let you close a game out at Value City Arena or at Chrysler Arena or maybe even at, at, you know, at Assembly Hall in Bloomington, given who knows what Indiana team shows up for any particular game. But you know what? You'll cross those bridges when you come to it. Already we've talked about three games, Michigan at home. I mean, if you go back to last year, that game in – at Carver Hawkeye, I think was the opening of full bore Big Ten play, and Michigan went there and put it on Iowa, and was still kind of trying to find itself, and that was a big confidence booster uh, to Michigan. Those kinds of efforts are games that were lost a year ago. So what you're seeing is Iowa's enough defensively now that it takes more possessions for teams to close Iowa out than it did a year ago. Okay, so uh, yes, some of it is just blind luck like, you know, hitting a Larry Bird shot from the corner where you go off the glass, you know, from, from that angle. But, but you've got to get enough stops to put yourself in position to have that luck, and Iowa couldn't even do that last year, John. No, they couldn't. And it's a good thing that they're a really good offensive team. They're eighth in the country in offensive efficiency because, as we mentioned earlier, they're 120th in uh, defensive efficiency, the next worst defensive team in arguably the best defensive league in the country is Illinois at 73. Then after that, it's Minnesota at 59. You've got, you've got almost 75% of the league that's in the, that's in the top 50 of defensive teams in the sport. 
which is absolutely incredible. So I think those are really, really good points. And I'm not trying to position this discussion um, for those of you listening as I, I don't think I was any good. I do think that they're a good quality team. I think that this particular season thus far is probably better than I, it's definitely better than I expected. But when you look back from where this program was two years ago, when Bohannon and Cook were freshmen and how exciting that season was and the promise that they showed. And if you just assume natural progress, it seems like the, the program progress line and, and trajectory is on a pace that it should have been last year's slip up notwithstanding. So you've got Iowa here, 20 and 5, which they're one of six teams in program history to ever be 20 and 5 after 25 games. Uh, you've got them with six games remaining, including a very difficult out against Maryland on Tuesday. We'll talk about that in a second, Steve. But you've got Maryland at home. Then you have Indiana at home. On the road against Ohio State. Home against Rutgers, who vows to bring blood. At Wisconsin and at Nebraska. Six games. What do you think Iowa comes out looking like after these six? I think it's going to be really tough to individually or, or to um, macroeconomically project WNLs down the stretch in this league. Yeah. There, yeah. We're, 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 at, we're at a point now, you were talking about the Ken Palm conference numbers earlier. You know, I don't know if there's a way to quantify this on Ken Palm. This is the best defensive conference collectively I can ever remember. Okay. So when you look at what Iowa's offensive efficiency rating is, keep in mind, it's, it's building that against, what is, you know, every night they're playing basically a top 40, top 50 defensive team in the sport. That's a great every single night. Every single night, you know. Until last week, Michigan had the highest defensive efficiency ranking in the history of Ken Palm. You know who knocked them out of that? Iowa did. That's what it was two weeks ago. All right. Michigan was on pace to set the Ken Palm defensive efficiency ranking record, and Iowa knocked them out of that. All right. So you're facing every single week. I showed you yesterday what I've been doing in February against the uh, point spread in college basketball. I'm crushing it. And the number one reason I'm crushing it is I'm just taking the under in almost every single Big Ten game, in almost every single game. And, almost, and, and it's coming through 75, 80% of the time. Because here's the thing. You, they can't, they're not going to set a line on a, college ba- a major college basketball game below like 121. They're just not going to do it. Like you're never going to see a college football line in a major conference below like a 30 for a total, okay? And so they can't make these these lines. They can't make them low enough in the mainstream, particularly with this many games every single night, to to accommodate the the defensive attrition. And now you've got injuries setting in, and guys are banged up, and everything else. So if I had to guess, Iowa will go three and three. And, you'll, and we probably won't be able to guess which of those three they win and which of those three they lose. Yeah, I mean, three and three, I think, is probably the most likely outcome. You know, when I was, when I was projecting the league again, uh, which we'll probably talk about some in the Bigger Ten podcast, I, I had them at four and two, basically losing at Ohio State and losing at Wisconsin, but three and three, I think is most likely. And if they do go three and three, oh, by the way, that's 23 wins, something that they've only had in the regular season one other time in program history. 
Let me, let me give an example of what I mean, just to quantify. A, 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 and I would look at every game individually as a season unto itself, um, with, with the exception of, you know, look-ahead factors. Let me give you an example with Michigan, because I follow them closely like I do Iowa, obviously. So when I did my halfway point projections in the Big Ten, Thursday night was a game I had Michigan losing. Classic sandwich game at Minnesota, coming off the home game against Maryland with Michigan State coming on Sunday. But I didn't expect Michigan to lose at Penn State. So losing at Penn State, there's less of a, a look-ahead factor for Michigan now because they just had a game where they had a letdown. Here's the other factor. Minnesota's like 317th in the country in three-point shooting. They just shot 55% against Indiana, by far their best game of the year. What are the odds they're going to do that the second week game in a row, and now they're going up against the number one three-point shooting defense in the country? What are the odds they're going to do that, John? Not Not much. Okay, not high. Meanwhile, Michigan has shot 27% from three, or 27% or worse, four of its last five games, and Minnesota's one of the worst three-point shooting defenses in the country. So this is where you've got to be really careful now about projecting what's going to happen a week or two down the road because we are now into we've got about three or four teams, Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue, fighting for the championship. You've got another three or four teams fighting for that double bye, and then you've got another two or three teams fighting for NCAA tournament bids, and they're going to do it every single night against Iowa excluded, pretty much a top 50 per, or, or Illinois who's getting better, obviously. But most nights they're going to do it against a top 50 defensive efficiency team. And so I think we really got to take a look at these on a, on a case-by-case basis now the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. It is, uh, it's going to be a fun run. Real quick, and this is somewhat frivolous, but it's very entirely subjective. Um, this year's Iowa team right now, how would you, who would you favor, who would you take uh, to win the game against the 15-16 Iowa team and the 05-06 Iowa team. I'd probably take both of those. I, I like the offensive um, options on this team over the 15-16 team. Um, and I like, I like, I just like, I like um, Wieskamp's game. I like, and I've been talking about that on the podcast for weeks. Um, and I think, you know, Luca Garza's kind of uh, had a hit a wall, but I think he'll come out of that. Um, I think the 05-06 team, I would take that team over this one, yes. Um, the 15-16 team finished the season 25th in offensive efficiency and 30th nationally in defensive efficiency. The um, 05-06 team, it was interesting. I was having a Twitter exchange with Greg Bruner the other day. I forgot how, that, how plotting that team really was. But they were also number one in the nation in defensive efficiency, number one in the country, um, beside being 154 in total offense. So even those teams I watch play, I learned something new about them. But, yeah, I, I, this team this year, there's a, a lot of people get, get a little – like Iowa just – you know, the rankings just came out. Iowa's 21st again this week in the AP. Some people irritated by that, but they're winning. Folks, you just need to focus on the net rankings. Steve and I talked about that last week. Um, the the committee when they put their first uh, top sixteen out top sixteen seeds it went right according to form by and large nearly ninety percent Iowa today Monday the what is today the eighteenth day of February Iowa's twenty eighth in the net rankings if you're twentieth it means you're the lowest rated five seed roughly 
you know, just for some type of barometer. If you're 24th, that means you're the lowest rated seed. Iowa is clinging to a 7-8 seed right now if you went strictly by the net. They're probably more like a 6-7. They still have work to do, probably, to improve their seed to get to that, you know, 5-6 area. I, 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 would, I would wager right now they'd probably be closer to a 6 if the NCAA were seeding it. I don't know if the NCAA is going to put, you know, Buffalo or Wofford ahead of Iowa or, you know, and those two teams have higher net rankings, but I was, you know, they're a good team. This is a fun season. I'm just trying to not let myself uh, run away with the own statistics and historical comparisons given, you know, like I said, one of six teams to ever have 20 wins in 25 games. I love stats like that. It doesn't mean I'm saying that this team is on par with some of those teams talent-wise. I mean that's that you're right, and it's tough to make those comparisons. Um, you're a, I mean, you're having a relevant winner. You know, I, I did daily sports talk radio in this town for several years, where it got we were so parched to have relevant seasons. One year we got so tired of this, we just did a show where we pretended it was 1986. I mean, so. Given where this team was last year, where you posted one of the worst records you've ever had in conference in the history of the program, and you did it in a league that only um, created four NCAA tournament bids. And and this year, um, yeah, I know several of those guys were suspended, banged up, you know, Wigginson, Laird, and those guys. But, you know, you may end up beating the Big 12 champion in the non-conference. Um, you're going to end up uh, you know, an NCAA tournament team in a league that is having, according to the metrics you cited earlier, historically is having one of the best seasons a conference has had, uh, you know, going back almost 20 years now. Going, What is that? That's 17 full seasons. Mm-hmm. So and and so here's where you're at. You're you're not, you know, one of the you're not competing for a, a Big Ten championship right now, but you are uh, certainly a team that because of the offensive options you put on the floor, I could see them winning three in a row um, uh, in the Big Ten tournament. I could see that, particularly if, if we continue to see this war of attrition and you get a break and you, and you play like Illinois uh, on, on, a, on a Saturday instead of a Purdue, for example. Okay, um, I could certainly see that being the case. Uh, and then you look at what your path is uh, for, you know, the NCAA tournament and, you know, potentially being a second weekend team. And then you go from there, you know, given what the expectations were coming in, given where last season ended, I mean, go back and look at the stuff we were talking about in the off season Garza, you know, and his health and, you know, it, does Tyler cook want to play here and everything else that we discussed, you know, um, if, if, if we would have, if one of us would have said, Hey, we're going to sit here going in four weeks to selection Sunday and I was not even going to be a bubble team. We both would have thought it's because the fan McCaffrey, uh, you know, death watch is on, not because they're 20 and five. So I, I don't know if you're an Iowa fan, um, how you can't possibly be satisfied with, or, or, in, or, or not enjoying this season. Even go back to the beginning of this season. The biggest story, the beginning after the after the the the, the, the tournament in New York City. The next biggest story in Iowa basketball for the next month was the whole Gary Dolphin, Fran McCaffrey thing. That seems like that was 20 freaking years ago now, or it never happened. Yeah. 
Okay. So if you're an Iowa fan, I don't know how you cannot be pleased or happy with how this season is going, how you cannot be enjoying this. I am enjoying it. And we will put a wrap on this edition of the HN podcast right there for Steve. I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.